0: The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the murderish podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. This episode makes mention of suicide. Please take care before listening. What would you be willing to do for your best friend? Tell a lie? Keep their darkest secret? Commit a crime? What if your best friend asked you to take their life? What would you do then? Trevor Bartlett and Mario Mills were the best of friends. Both nearing 40 years old, the two men had known each other since high school, graduating from the same small class in rural Wyoming and following similar paths into adulthood. They were both fathers of girls. They loved the same things—hunting, fishing, camping, and getting into mischief. But most of all, they loved drinking. The two country boys were never far from an 18-pack of Coors Light and a fifth of Jack Daniels. But what began as youthful indiscretion evolved into something darker, growing more sinister as they grew up. On cold Wyoming nights, the pair would escape to Mills' garage to drink, smoke, and play cards until they could barely stand. Most times, the damage was just some vomit and a splitting hangover. But on the evening of March 25th, 2020, the result was far different. An early morning 911 call drew police to the nondescript home in a quiet residential neighborhood. Inside the garage, cops found 37-year-old Trevor Bartlett, a loving father and loyal friend, shot through the head, dead on the cold concrete floor. Was it suicide, murder, or something else? This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I explore the death of Trevor Bartlett. Riverton, Wyoming, the locals say, sits between nowhere and nothing to see. Built on land ceded to the Wind River Indian Reservation at the start of the 20th century, the town of 10,000 people is over an hour from a major interstate and four hours from the nearest population center, Salt Lake City, across the border in Utah. The county seat of oil-rich Fremont County, Riverton is the economic hub of a sparsely populated area that for generations belonged to the Shoshone and Arapaho tribes. Today, its proximity to the two-million-acre reservation, the third-largest in the U.S., makes Riverton one of the more diverse towns in the Cowboy State, with over 20% of the population identifying as Native American, according to the most recent census. The town has a community college, a regional airport, and a U.S. Army recruiting station, As is the case elsewhere in the state, the best jobs in Riverton aren't in real estate, tech, or finance, but in natural resources, either mining for coal or drilling for oil. Hundreds of men and women a day in Fremont County leave their homes before daybreak and return after dark, working to extract fossil fuels from the ground. Even as the industry has slowed massively in the face of climate change regulation, It remains the lifeblood of most Wyoming towns, and Riverton is no exception. While the pay is good, the hours are grueling. Many employees follow a schedule of seven days on and seven days off, a system that fits all too perfectly with the state's work-hard, play-harder mentality. As functioning addicts, Mario Mills and Trevor Bartlett couldn't have asked for a better arrangement. Any spate of time off was spent with their families. They loaded up the trucks with food, beer, fishing rods, and guns, and headed out to the country. Photos on Trevor Bartlett's now abandoned Facebook page paint a vivid picture of the two men's friendship. Mario, in a cut-off shirt and trucker hat, driving with his daughter Madison on his lap. Trevor, flashing a smile in front of the day's catch. The pair seated in front of a campfire, gripping bush lights, laughing as they hold a camouflaged harp over their heads to escape the sudden rain. Trevor and his then-girlfriend cuddled up in sleeping bags. There's nothing in those pictures to suggest the pain Trevor was feeling behind the scenes, the depression and hopelessness that he carried with him like a backpack full of bricks, or how their paths would one day lead them to that garage, to that gun, and to that moment when everything changed forever. Mario and Trevor met several hundred miles away in Newcastle, Wyoming, another oil and coal town, but this one in the northeast part of the state near the border with South Dakota. It was there, as teenagers, where drinking became a way of life. Long before they turned 21, the two friends would join the rest of the town's youth at weekly parties in the country chugging down cups of keg beer and taking swigs of cheap vodka or gin. With very few outlets for their teen angst, many of Newcastle's young people turned to drugs and alcohol. Trevor and Mario were no different. Parents most likely looked the other way, except for a short time in the early 2000s when a local judge started locking up teens for even simple minor-in-possession charges. Mario Mills was among those who felt the judge's wrath forced to spend a week in jail after he was caught with a beer at the town's 4th of July celebration. Otherwise, he avoided trouble. Mario Mills came from a well-respected local family. His father was the mayor. His older brother was quarterback of the varsity football team, and Mario followed in his footsteps. Trevor Bartlett and his brother had a less stable upbringing. Their parents split when they were young, and the brothers were raised by their mother, Destin Walker. Mario and Trevor connected over their love of sports. Mario played football and basketball, Trevor only football, and the two loved hunting and fishing. Insulated and unsophisticated, Newcastle, population 3000, can be unforgiving to outsiders. Mario and Trevor, who grew up elsewhere, were glad to find each other, especially Trevor, who was overweight and struggled to make friends. Whereas Trevor was an introvert who avoided social interaction, Mario was the class clown who could move more freely among different cliques, the jocks, the band kids, the rednecks. A survey in the local paper in 2001 declared Mario the funniest person in Weston County. Mario said in an article accompanying the designation, "'Most people say that I'm 18 going on three, But even as he was cracking jokes in the media, The pressure of living up to his family's expectations pushed Mario to drink, and he found comfort being around Trevor, who never judged him, only appreciated having him as a friend. After graduation, Mario enlisted in the army. Showing off his dry wit, he told his hometown paper, the newsletter journal in 2001, about entering the military. I don't know too much about the job, except I sit on a big cannon, and when someone gives the order, I pull the trigger. While their paths initially diverged, Mario and Trevor wound up back together in Riverton, but under different circumstances. Trevor, now divorced, had lost custody of his daughter, seeing her only one weekend out of a month. He lived alone and worked for a local convenience store. He'd been in and out of jail for alcohol offenses and struggled to keep a regular job. Mario, on the other hand, his attorney would later say in court, was living the American dream. After a rocky start, his first marriage ended in divorce when the mother of his child fell into drug addiction and was sentenced to prison time for dealing meth. Mario was remarried, had custody of his daughter Madison, and earned a good salary, Mario and his second wife, Courtney, a registered nurse, lived in a nice home with a large backyard for Madison and their two dogs to play in. The Mills family earned enough to make a very good living by Wyoming standards, complete with two trucks, a camper, and a pair of ATVs. As different as their lives had turned out, Mario and Trevor shared the same addiction, and somewhere inside both of them was a hole they believed only alcohol could fill. Trevor's addiction, his mother Destin said at trial, stemmed from depression. Seeing his best friend find success in work and love might have been more than he could bear. She said Trevor had wanted to kill himself for 20 years. Alcohol and drug abuse is commonplace among Wyoming's working class. Forced to spend months indoors away from the bitter cold, they turn to the bottle to escape the loneliness that looms large over the state's endless, bleak prairie. While addiction runs rampant, addiction and mental health treatment are often disregarded as the solution of the weak. In a state where toughness and masculinity are prioritized, many men, and also women, are unwilling to seek help or even admit they have a problem. It's no wonder Wyoming regularly leads the nation in suicides per capita. For Trevor, His depression dated back to childhood, which was anything but easy. Untreated, the condition only festered and worsened, as his attempts at self-medicating only led to more pain and suffering. Trevor felt like he was on a downward spiral, and the only person he could turn to was his one true friend in the world. Or at least he thought... Murderish is sponsored by BetterHelp. There's no rulebook for life. Sometimes I wish there was, so I could just have some guidance when times get tough. We've all been there, feeling like we need someone to tell us what to do and assure us that it's the right thing to do. It's normal to feel confused, unsure, or stuck when navigating life's challenges. Even though we'll probably never get a user manual for life, BetterHelp Online Therapy is the next best thing. Trained therapists are there to help you figure out the root of challenging emotions and problems you face in life, and you'll learn new, productive coping skills that work for you and your situation. Because BetterHelp is 100% online, it makes it convenient to access therapy anywhere. I used to think therapy was too complex, and there were too many layers to it, but when I actually spent some time with my therapist, I got to unpack so much and release some of the burdens I was carrying around. Even though it took time and effort, therapy was freeing for me, and it genuinely helped me become a better version of myself. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save ten percent off your first month at BetterHelp.com/murderish. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com/murderish. Masterclass is a unique tool to learn from the world's best minds anytime and anywhere, and at your own pace. Each class has downloadable material, class guides, recipes, and more. And you can access all of it from your phone on the Masterclass app, a computer, your smart TV, and even on the go with audio mode. Whatever you're interested in, I guarantee there's a class for you. You can learn how to think like an FBI profiler from John Douglas, which is obviously my personal favorite. Or you can improve your business skills with Bob Iger or learn how to cook with Gordon Ramsay. There are over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors across 11 different categories, so that thing you've always wanted to do is a lot closer than you think. John Douglas's class was so fulfilling because I've always wanted to know how to think like an FBI agent and predict people's motives when they commit crimes. His classes are perfect for that. Not only is John an expert and a veteran in his field, he's an outstanding instructor too. He covered things like intuition versus inherent bias, predicting criminal behavior, identifying vulnerabilities, and making calculated decisions. I was so excited about these sessions that I finished them within a few days, and now I want to go back through the videos and content a second time. I'm a lifelong learner who's always been fascinated by the psychology aspect of crime, and I feel like I can take what I learned from John and apply it to the real world and the cases I cover on Murderish, I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com murderish today. That's masterclass.com murderish. Terms apply. Do you know how much subscriptions really cost? Most people think they're spending around $80 a month on subscriptions, when the actual total cost is closer to $200 or more. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions that you don't even know you have, forgot you have, or didn't even want to have. I used to spend so much money on unwanted subscriptions, but now I use the Rocket Money app to take care of that for me, and I save hundreds. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is an app that shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for. Have you ever discovered you've been double-charged for a subscription? That's happened to me more than once. With Rocket Money, you can avoid that hassle. It's one thing to have a subscription you forgot about but kept paying for. It's another thing to have been double-charged for something you didn't even want in the first place. It's great to have an app like Rocket Money that's easy to use and saves money. To cancel an unwanted subscription, all you have to do is press cancel. That's it. And Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com murderish. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com murderish. In March of 2020, COVID-19 was dominating headlines across the globe. Whole nations were on lockdown, millions were becoming infected, and the world economy teetered on the brink of collapse. Meanwhile, in rural Riverton, Wyoming, the virus had barely registered. Social distancing, residents joked among themselves, Wyoming wrote the book on it. And yet, dark thoughts dominated the mind of 37-year-old Trevor Bartlett, and they had nothing to do with the pandemic. He'd recently been arrested for DUI and was fighting again with the mother of his daughter. Rumors were that she was dating somebody new, and she continued demanding that Trevor make all of his monthly child support payments. Trevor was already four or five beers deep when he arrived at Mario's home, carrying an 18-pack of Coors Light. Mario contributed the hard stuff, a fifth of wild turkey. After wrapping up dinner with Courtney and saying goodnight to Madison, Mario retired to the garage, a man cave of sorts, to play cribbage with Trevor. But the card game was really just a sideshow to the main event getting blind drunk. As late Wednesday evening approached early Thursday morning, the temperature outside the Mills' three-car garage registered sub-35 degrees. Needing to work the next day, Courtney wished her husband and his best friend, already loud and belligerent, a brief goodnight as she headed off for bed around midnight. What happened over the next 90 minutes inside that concrete space, only Mario and Trevor really know and only one would live to talk about it. According to the Riverton Ranger newspaper, Courtney would later testify at trial that Mario rustled her awake around 1.30 a.m. with some shocking news. Trevor is dead, Mario said, according to Courtney. I killed him, but that's not what they would tell police. The call from East Sunset Drive came into the Riverton Police Department at 5.10 in the morning, more than three and a half hours after Mario told his wife that Trevor was dead. Courtney Mills, speaking over tears, told a dispatcher that when she and her husband woke up that day to take out their dogs, they found Trevor Bartlett dead in their garage of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. According to a report from the Riverton Ranger, Mario Mills said he last saw his friend at about 11.30 the night before, March 25th, before leaving him alone drinking alcohol in the garage. Mario told detectives that Trevor had been in a dark place recently and had been talking about suicide. He admitted the two had spent the evening drinking together to excess, but he swore that when he went up to bed, his friend was still alive. A key detail, Mario told police he found his own Glock 45 caliber pistol on the ground, three feet from Trevor's lifeless body. After discovering the weapon, Mario told Riverton PD he unloaded it and placed it on a workbench near his dead friend. Unfortunately for Mario and Courtney Mills, the evidence at the scene told another story. According to the Riverton Ranger, it was Detective James Donahue who first noticed something didn't add up. For starters, blood spatter from the gun was spread out, not concentrated near the single entry wound in Trevor's left temple. Detective Donahue wrote in court documents, I found this to be odd because it indicated the firearm had been fired from the left side of Bartlett's body, probably at a distance beyond six inches, rather than a typical contact type wound often associated with suicide. The pistol itself also lacked the blood spatter or blowback pattern typically associated with a gun fired into one's own temple. Then there was the matter of the Coke bottle at Trevor's feet blood and brain noted donahue was spattered on the outside and the inside of the bottle an unlikely result had the bullet been fired at such close range next to the coke bottle was another bottle the wild turkey partially consumed and tipped over its brown liquid slowly leaking onto the blood-drenched floor this bottle too was covered in blood Detective Donahue asked the married couple whether their friend used his right or left hand. Courtney Mills said she knew. She'd seen him at work and he was right-handed. It was at that moment the detective became convinced that Trevor Bartlett's death had been no suicide. The bullet, after all, had been fired from the left side. The ranger reported, due to these anomalies and the angle of the wound, Donahue concluded The shot had been fired from a distance, not likely achievable by Bartlett. Back at the police station, officers put Mario and Courtney in separate rooms and turned up the heat. Once the 43-year-old was away from her husband, investigators told Courtney about the discrepancies found at the scene. They told her about the blood spatter, about the angle of the entry wound, about the gunman firing from a distance away. It didn't take Courtney long to break. She'd never been in trouble with the law. With no attorney present, she began spilling her guts about what really happened that night and what the police heard shocked them. It was just after 1.30 in the morning when Mario woke her up out of a deep sleep, saying that Trevor was dead and that he had killed him. Mario, according to Courtney, was covered in dirt and blood as if he'd just been in a fight. Now fully awake, Courtney went to the garage and saw Trevor lying on the floor. She checked for a pulse. There was none. Her first thought was to call 911, but Mario, she told police, told her to put down the phone. He didn't want to go to jail. Mario told his wife that he and Trevor, in a drunken rage, had gotten into an argument that ended with the two of them wrestling on the floor of the garage. It was then, according to Mario, that Trevor made the request, just end it, he screamed. And so he did. Mario went inside the home and came back out, armed with the 45 Glock pistol. He fired, striking his best friend once in the head. He wanted to die, Mario told his wife. Moved to sympathy at the time, Courtney Mills agreed to help her husband cover up the crime. They quickly hatched a plan to make Trevor Bartlett's death appear to be a suicide. According to a report by the Riverton Ranger, Mario Mills went back to the garage with his wife, donned rubber surgical gloves, picked up the pistol, and put it in Bartlett's left hand to leave fingerprints. Then he took the Glock out of his dead best friend's hand, unloaded it, and placed it on the workbench. With their daughter still asleep in her room, The couple quietly returned to their bedroom, undressed and placed their clothes in a white plastic bag that they hid under the bed. Mario took a shower and the couple laid down. They set the alarm for 5 a.m. so Courtney could wake up and make the call to police reporting Trevor's death as a suicide. Before they left for the police station, Courtney told investigators she grabbed the bag that held their clothes and put it in an industrial-sized dumpster in the alley outside of the hospital where she worked. With his wife's confession now in hand, police then turned their attention to Mario, who quickly recanted the tale of finding Trevor dead in the morning. According to the Riverton Ranger, Mario told police that his friend was in a dark place, and that night he told him he wanted to die. Mario then added a new detail to his story. He told investigators that Trevor told him he'd made a list of people he was going to kill before he died. Detective Donahue wrote in his report, Bartlett told Mills he should shoot him because he was sick of life. Mills said he got out his Glock and loaded it, telling his friend he should just shoot himself and get it over with. But Trevor was too scared, Mario told police. He'd tried before but could never go through with the act of pulling the trigger. He again challenged his best friend Mario to kill him, according to the interview. Mario told police he unloaded and then reloaded the gun, eventually telling Trevor he couldn't shoot him. They argued more, after which Mario said he gave in, grabbed the gun, and fired a single shot into his friend's head. Mario yelled during the interrogation, "'I killed Trevor!' I killed my best friend. He then said, I wish I would have got Trevor's request for me to kill him in writing. With that, the Riverton Police Department placed 38 year old Mario Mills under arrest for the first degree murder of Trevor Bartlett. His wife, Courtney, was charged with helping him to cover up the crime, which, under Wyoming law, was only a misdemeanor because it was done in the defense of a spouse. Fremont County Coroner Mark Stratmoen would later deem Trevor's manner of death a homicide. The time of death, roughly 1 a.m., March 26, 2020. Make it about more than just the holidays this year with the gift of health from Everlywell. Give the gift of nourishing vitamins and supplements and over 30 at-home lab tests like food sensitivity and women's health tests to help your loved ones get further on in their health goals. EverlyWell is digital healthcare designed for you with personalized results and accessible tools for long-term health. Women's health, food sensitivity, and celiac disease screening tests are only a few of the options. Here's how it works. EverlyWell ships products straight to you or your loved one with everything needed in one package. If you order an at-home lab test, The sample can be simply collected at home and shipped back to a certified lab in the prepaid envelope included with the test. Digital physician-reviewed results are sent to you in just days. And if you order vitamins or supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. EverlyWell provides access and insights into your health, like wellness test markers and how those levels compare to low, normal, or high reference ranges, for example. I ordered a metabolism test from EverlyWell because I've noticed a change in my ability to maintain my typical weight. Ordering the test was a breeze and I got it in the mail within just a few days. I'm excited to learn the results of my test and find out if I need to make some adjustments in order to get my metabolism back on track. Over a million people have trusted EverlyWell to support their health and wellness goals and now you can help your loved ones do the same. The gift of health has never been so easy to share than it is this holiday. For listeners of the show, EverlyWell is offering a discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash murderish. That's everlywell.com slash murderish for 20% off your next at-home lab test. everlywell.com slash murderish. I know some of you have killer business ideas. Why not start selling today with Shopify? Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform that allows you to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it so easy to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling hoodies or home decor, join the platform that simplifies commerce for millions of businesses around the world. And Shopify grows with your business anywhere thanks to their endless list of integrations and third-party apps. Literally everything you can think of From on-demand printing to accounting to chatbots, everything you need to customize your business to your needs is already in your hands. What's great about Shopify is that they cover all of your social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram to successfully grow and market your business. Shopify removes the guesswork when it comes to marketing and offers built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze your online marketing campaigns. When you're finally ready to take your big ideas to the world, do it with Shopify, the best commerce platform that powers millions of businesses down the street and worldwide. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com murderish, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com murderish to start selling online today. Shopify.com murderish. In a place where homicides are rare, there were just 18 in Wyoming during 2020. California, for example, had more than 2,200 homicides in that same year. Trevor Bartlett's murder case drew statewide attention. The trial got underway in March of 2021 in Fremont County Court in nearby Lander with Judge Jason Condor presiding. Mario Mills remained adamant he had killed his best friend only after he asked him to do it. Unable to put up the $1 million cash-only bail, Mills celebrated his 39th birthday behind bars. The charge of being an accessory after the fact against Courtney was dropped, leaving her free to care for Madison while Mario went on trial for his life. The defendant hired defense attorney Don Fuller, who was successful during pretrial in getting the prosecution to agree to take the death sentence off the table. Going into trial, Mario felt confident he'd be able to convince a jury of his peers that what he'd done in shooting Trevor Bartlett was a dreadful error in judgment, but not murder. A voluntary manslaughter conviction would mean just four or five years away from his family, as opposed to a first or even second degree murder charge, both of which threatened to put him away for the rest of his natural life. To the surprise of many, Mario Mills had an ace in the hole. He had the support of an unexpected ally, Destin Walker, Trevor's mother, who was to testify that her son had wanted to die and that she didn't believe Mario would have hurt him any other way. Across the courtroom, Fremont County Attorney Patrick LeBrun and Deputy Attorney Dan Stebner were determined to convince jurors that Trevor Bartlett's death was not an act of mercy but rather a murder committed by a drunken, reckless actor who needed to be punished severely. According to the Riverton Ranger, LeBron used his opening statement to acknowledge Trevor Bartlett's downfalls. The prosecutor said, I think you're going to learn from the evidence that Trevor, although a longtime friend of the Mills family and a person they genuinely cared for, was a pain in the neck. He was needy, He was an alcoholic. He was in and out of jail for alcohol-related offenses. But LeBron paused. He was also a human being who was killed by Mario Mills, and Mario Mills did not need to do that. He had a choice, and he chose to kill. The prosecutor talked about Mario's careless attempt to hide evidence and fool police, putting the gun in Trevor's hand, leaving his friend sitting in the chair, unloading and reloading the gun and then there was falling asleep before they called police and ditching evidence in the alley behind his wife's work location. LeBron's message to jurors was clear. If Mario Mills didn't think shooting Trevor Bartlett was a crime, why did he try so hard to cover it up? Defense attorney Fuller's strategy was to shift blame away from his client by convincing jurors that Trevor Bartlett had wanted to die and practically forced his best friend to shoot him. Just how much had the two men been drinking that night? Trevor Bartlett's blood alcohol content registered an incredible .314, nearly four times the legal limit. Had Mario not shot him that night, Fuller told the jury, he may have drunk himself to death. Destin Walker, Trevor's mother, took the stand and told jurors how her son grew to resent life how he'd spoken often about suicide and wanting to die for over 20 years. She said about Trevor's extreme alcoholism and cycle of despair, he was not going to have any more happy moments. I know Trevor was going to leave this earth with or without Mario's help, and it wasn't going to be a pleasant experience. After the week-long trial was over, the jury deliberated on Mario's fate. They found Mario Mills innocent of first-degree murder but guilty of second. Mario appeared for sentencing three months later, hopeful the judge may take mercy on him. At sentencing, Mario Mills's friends and family spoke on his behalf, but LeBrun was having none of it. The prosecutor continued to press for a 30 to 50-year sentence, saying, according to the Riverton Ranger, one of the things that haunts me the most is all the things I personally have done since I was 38. Trevor was almost 38 when he died. I welcomed my first and only child. Isn't it possible that one day Trevor would have looked at Mario and let him know how much he appreciated not being killed by him? LeBron asked Judge Condor to consider not just the tragic circumstances and the victim's state of mind, but the value of human life itself. The prosecutor said in court, everyone has the right to their day in court. It's one of the greatest things about this country, but acceptance of responsibility can go a long way also. LeBrun reminded the judge of how after Bartlett's death, Mario Mills woke his wife, told her what had happened, and asked her to help him. The pair surveyed the scene, changed their clothes, and dumped everything else in a dumpster behind Courtney Mills' work. Proof, said LeBrun, that Mario was not blackout drunk, but instead, using criminal thinking. Per reporting in the Riverton Ranger, with emotions in the courtroom reaching a crescendo, Mario's daughter approached the stand, intending to testify. But she was too overcome with grief. Fighting back tears, Madison Mills handed her testimony to defense attorney Rob Oldham, who read the girl's written statement aloud, saying, "'Your Honor, I need my dad. He's been there since the day I was born.' The letter listed all the things Madison loved to do with her dad, their favorite memories, and the tenderness of his parenting. Madison wrote about her father, I love him very much. Destin Walker once again addressed the court, asking for mercy for her son's best friend and killer. According to the Riverton Ranger, Destin Walker said, Mario is a good man, and we are all human beings. We all make mistakes. We're not perfect. We can only strive for perfection, but I believe Mario deserves a second chance. I think we all do. Mario's defense attorney, aware of the 20-year minimum for second-degree murder, asked the judge to consider a suspended sentence of 20 to 22 years with intensely monitored probation terms. Oldham listed all the methods by which alcohol ingestion can be tracked and prevented. He said community service would be a fitting punishment for his client, who'd already been in jail for 455 days. The defense attorney said, the saddest part about this whole thing is he had it. He had the American dream and he blew it. Did he blow it because he wanted to? No, he blew it because of the same thing that so many people suffer from, drunkenness. Finally, it was the shooter's chance to address the courtroom. Mario Mills, while weeping, said, Today is the first day in 454 days that I've been able to see my daughter. Sadly, that's also the same amount of time I last saw Trevor. It truly is bittersweet. He said he always sensed his friend would die young, but he never imagined he'd be the one responsible. Mario went on to say, The bottom line is, I failed Trevor. I failed his mom, his brother, and most of all, my daughter. I have to live with that. He described at length the intensity of his own drinking problem, and Trevor's as well, and asked for the judge to grant the suspended sentence. Mario said that to him, being away from his wife and daughter amounted to torture. He offered an apology, saying, I am sorry for all the hardships I've caused and for the loss of a truly amazing person. When the time came to decide on sentencing, Judge Condor admitted to feeling angst over the decision. He said he was surprised at the degree to which the day's testimony cast Trevor Bartlett as a throwaway, a castaway citizen. According to the Ranger, the judge said, he just had too many problems to deal with and apparently it was okay that he died. Judge Condor said it didn't matter to him that Trevor struggled with suicidal feelings because he was still alive. He hearkened back to a moment during the trial when one of Trevor's friends a beautiful young woman, as he put it, shared how they'd built a barbecue pit together in the days leading up to his death. Addressing the courtroom, Condor said of Trevor, his life did matter. Before handing down his sentence, the judge said he didn't appreciate having the finger pointed at him by people suggesting it was his responsibility to show mercy to Mario, just because Trevor's mom did. The judge said, it was Mr. Mills's job, not mine, to think about his family, his friends, his wife and daughter, lying sleeping in the house when, at point-blank range, he shot a man in the head. Condor sentenced Mario Mills to spend between 20 and 25 years behind bars. With time served, Mills could seek parole in 2031, when he'll be nearly 50 years old. Of the sentence, the judge said, I will fashion a sentence that will give him a life. He will be eligible for parole. He will have a future. He will get to spend future Christmases with his daughter. Trevor will not. Within months of receiving his sentence, Mario Mills was transferred to the Wyoming Medium Correctional Institution in Torrington, halfway across the state. He's since been moved to the state prison in Rollins, where he can be closer to his family. In a letter from inside the penitentiary obtained by Murderish, Mario Mills says the papers, gossip, and cops' version is not 100% accurate, and he is not a cold-blooded killer. He blames the statements he made to police for his conviction, and hopes they'll be tossed out on appeal. In the letter from prison, Mario wrote of his initial interview with Riverton PD the morning after he shot Trevor. "'I assumed things and ran my mouth like you would "'to get out of a speeding ticket. "'Then boom, here I am.'" Mills is currently trying to get his conviction overturned and says he has his fingers crossed that he could be out within a year or two, although that outcome is highly unlikely. His attorneys are trying to convince an appeals court that the jury should not have been allowed to view his interrogation tape because he had not been read his rights prior to the interview he gave police. To pass the time, Mario was working on a book about his life, how he went from army combat veteran and college grad to convicted felon. Even after three years behind bars, Mario hasn't lost his sense of humor. Writing in the book's introduction, this is based on true stories, but names might be changed to entertain and protect the innocent. As for his appeal, Mario is still waiting for an answer. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Murderish. Don't forget to check out my new Patreon perks. Murderish Behind the Mic Patreon membership is a great option for those who've listened to every episode of Murderish and want access to bonus episodes, or those who want to listen to the podcast with no ads. To sign up for Murderish Behind the Mic and get access to all of the exclusive perks, visit Murderish.com or just go to Patreon and search for Murderish there. I want to say a big thank you to Kevin N. and Deborah F. for joining Murderish Behind the Mic. Thank you guys so much. I'm looking forward to interacting with you on Patreon. For those who don't know, I host another true crime podcast called Dirty Money Moves Women in White Collar Crime. The podcast follows my investigation of a woman I met a few years ago, a woman who turned out to be a prolific scam artist. It's a wild story that even has ties to the Michael Jackson scandal. You can subscribe to Dirty Money Moves wherever you're listening right now. There are a bunch of episodes for you to binge right now. Do me the biggest favor and tell your friends about Murderish or leave the show a positive rating and review in any podcast app. You can also show your support by wearing a Murderish t-shirt while you're out and about. And trust me, it's a great conversation starter. Go to Murderish.com to buy t-shirts, bags, coffee mugs, and so much more follow Murderish on Instagram and TikTok at Murderish Podcast. I'm active on both platforms, so check it out. Murderish sound design and audio editing is by Justin Hellstrom. Some of the music was composed by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. This episode was researched and written by Kay Brandt. Visit Murderish.com for a list of sources used for this episode. As always, Ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, Listening to this podcast doesn't make you a murderer, it just means you're murder-ish.